I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And And this this is Hashtag Hashtag History. The podcast for both history nerds and history haters alike. Where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. Welcome to Hashtag History, episode 17. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. Now, this episode is coming out like mid-December, but when Leah and I are recording it, it actually is only just a few days post-Thanksgiving. So I was thinking about asking you, Leah, how your Thanksgiving went. However, I understand you were potentially on your deathbed the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, I was drugged up. With some cold medicine, and I don't remember most of the day, if I'm being 100% honest. That sucks so bad. And for those of you um, thinking, wow, her voice sounds really sexy and scratchy right now, it's (laughs) because I'm still recovering. (laughs) Oh my god, that's the worst. Well, I don't know that this makes you feel any better, but I probably ate enough for the two of us anyway, so... Yeah, yeah, I didn't... I know I feel like I'm going to get some backlash for this, but I actually don't really like Thanksgiving food all that much. I remember you saying that to me and it kind of broke my heart a little bit because like, like turkey, yeah, turkey, ham, no, all the things, mashed potatoes. I, I, I used to actually dislike mashed potatoes. Now that's I like them, but <laughs> I could still like live without them. Oh my god, that's crazy! I just ate potatoes for dinner, so <laughs> that is crazy. To I me. mean, potatoes. I couldn't live without potatoes. I'm saying mashed potatoes in particular. Oh my god, when they're mashed, they're even better. I know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know because I actually don't agree. I don't know. <laughs> Well, anyway, we hope all of you guys had an awesome Thanksgiving. Yes. Um, yeah, for me, it was good. I'm one of those super, super, super fortunate people that uh, my family and the fiance's family live like 15 minutes from each other. So there wasn't a whole lot of traveling or commuting or anything. And so it was a really nice time with both sides of the family and lots of food that I do enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> I like watching the parade. That was Oh, I love the parade. Yeah. The Macy's yeah. That's one of that's a tradition for sure. Yeah, I, I wake up early and I go over to my parents' house in my PJs and watch the parade. I, I do the exact same thing. Yes. Yeah. It. It's tradition. Okay, guys. So for this episode, we are throwing it way, way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're throwing it all the way back to the year 64 AD, in which two-thirds of the city of Rome was completely destroyed. Wow. Yeah. So how exactly was the city destroyed? Well, this episode comes at an interesting time because if you live in California like Leah and I, or if you just follow West Coast news at all, you know that our state has pretty much been on fire nonstop lately. We had the devastating campfire just last year in 2018 that ended up destroying approximately 153,000 acres of land. Campfire was the deadliest fire the state has ever seen, causing 86 deaths. 
And then just recently in late November, so literally just a month ago, we experienced the Kincaid fire, which destroyed nearly 77,000 acres of land and caused the deaths of four people. At one point, uh, very recently, there were 13 fires going on at the same time. I write for a local newspaper here as like a side gig, and trying to keep up with all of the fire stories was overwhelming. We were writing new articles about the devastation of the fires every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. Where Leah and I are at, where we live, um, the most we've really experienced is just really awful air quality. And and when we say really awful air quality, like it's to the point where I work at a university and it got shut down during the campfire for seven days. Yes, yes. Um, last year during the campfire where I work um, also closed for several days because the smoke was coming into the buildings and people couldn't breathe. People here have been hospitalized as a result of the air quality. Yeah, so it's not just like poor air quality. It's like you actually couldn't see more than like 10 feet in front of you yes. because of smoke. And we live like... A hundred miles away from where this fire was happening. Yes. So that just puts into perspective just how big and horrible it was, is that a hundred miles away, we had to close down. We had to mm-hmm. shut down. Mm-hmm. I can remember, um, so the law firm that I was working at a year ago that closed for a couple of days because of the fire or because of the air quality, um, because we were off. I still was like working from home and I still had some stuff I had to get filed with the courthouse and Sacramento has several courthouses, but this one in particular, um, so it was sort of my day off, but still working from home. I roll up to the courthouse and it's kind of weird the way the parking is situated. The parking is actually below the courthouse. So I had to go up, um, two flights of stairs outside to get to the courthouse. And I remember the air was so bad that by the time I got up that second flight of stairs, I had to stop. And I feel like I'm pretty active, have pretty good endurance. I had to stop when I got two flights up of stairs because the air quality was so bad that I couldn't take deep breaths. Yeah. Yeah, so I I say that lightly that all that we experienced was air quality issues because there are people that we know and love that lost their houses, everything they own, and in the worst case scenario, their lives. But even as minimal as air quality can sound in comparison to that, the air quality here was really, really bad. Mm-hmm. So this was just a little personal touch on what we are about to discuss today. It's not in a joke in any way, shape, or form that unfortunately us California girls over here at Hashtag History are really, really familiar with widespread fire and the destruction that it causes. Sure are. Yeah. What a sad thing. That is what we are discussing this week. We are discussing a fire that occurred nearly 2,000 years ago in 64 AD that wiped out two-thirds of Rome. So how did this fire start and who was responsible? That's what we're diving into after this week's cocktail segment. Was it PG&E? <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. 
Hey, shout out to everyone that lives in my part of Sacramento that is serviced by um, Smud. Smud, what had to deal up? With- yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> haven't had to deal with all the PG&E outages. They have been horrible. They've been terrible. Horrible. Anyways, back to the cocktail. Yes. Okay, so for this week's cocktail, I wanted to go bold, to go nerdy, and to go familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Bold, but also where I'm comfortable in my zone. Exactly. So, we're drinking a spin on the Goblet of Fire cocktail slash mixed with what seems like a white Russian. Okay. When I was making it, I felt like I was making a white Russian. Yeah, it's pretty much just a white Russian, let's be real. Well, I love white Russians. Yeah, totally. Um, So, I had some real trouble deciding what I wanted to do this week, and this just sounded splendid and just nerdy enough, so here we go. Okay. As many of you may know, the Goblet of Fire cocktail is an homage to Harry Potter. What? Hufflepuff. Harry Potter what? (laughs) I actually, I literally just bought something off of Amazon today that was Harry Potter themed, so. For yourself? (laughs) No. Is it for? It was for, um... Yeah, it's for Lee and I are both. Uh, we buy or- presents for lower income students of uh, our friend who teaches. Yeah. And so one of the things I thought it was so cute. Um, one of the things she wanted was a Harry Potter mug. And I was like, I got you, girl. Yeah, I got my girl like literally six Harry Potter things. Oh, I love it. I love when they ask for Harry Potter stuff. I'm like, of course, I'm going to get that for you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> no question. Yeah. So... What we're drinking tonight actually deviates, like I said, from the Goblet of Fire cocktail a bit because I wasn't about to spend $60 on a bottle of Taiku liqueur, which is required for the green coloring of the Goblet of Fire cocktail. Look into it. It's redonkulous, but I'm sure it's delicious. So instead of Goblet of Fire cocktail, let's call it the Giblet of Fire. (laughs) That's great. It makes sense for after Thanksgiving, right? Yep, it's perfect. Okay. Although so, you don't like Thanksgiving food, so... Right. <laughs> so it's basically like a white Russian, from what I can tell. So this recipe calls for two ounces of coffee liqueur, a.k.a. Kahlua. Um, 1.5 ounces of rum. Yum. Cream slash milk to your yeah. desired quantity. And then um, a dash of cinnamon. And I actually ended up putting in... The a little leftover of the cinnamon simple syrup that you made for a previous cocktail, and I'm really? really excited about it. That is awesome. I am kind of sad because I quite literally, so this weekend being Thanksgiving weekend, you know, had some time off of work. I did like deep clean up the fridge and mm-hmm. I just tossed what was left of my cinnamon simple syrup like oh, yesterday. Man, <laughs> yeah. I should probably deep clean my alcohol cloth closet it's it literally has turned into a closet it it is a closet yeah (laughs) (laughs) can't one of those where like you squish everything in and shut the door really quickly yeah and then you just pray to god that it doesn't like (laughs) come crashing down (laughs) yeah so the goblet of fire cocktail is supposed to actually be set on fire but i am not about to burn my new house down (laughs) no thank you (laughs) Yeah, I would pass on that too. Yeah, so um, no fun facts about this drink this week because it's a Goblet of Fire cocktail. Uh-huh. What else do you need to know? But I will say I am probably breaking one of my marriage vows right now by uh-huh. drinking 
what's essentially a white Russian without my husband. Oh, no. Yeah, because we always watch The Big Lebowski and drink white Russians together. And oh. so I might be in trouble after this, but um, he also doesn't really listen to our podcast. I was just going to say, like, <laughs> just tell him, just skip over episode 17. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, drink it up. Oh, yeah, drink it up. Sorry, my okay. cat is attacking my um, my cords. Cord situation. Oh. Okay, drinking it up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm. Ooh, that's pretty strong. Um. Oh my god, <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> oh my god, I was a little nervous because so. I shared this with Leah earlier that this is maybe the cocktail I've been like the, the most excited about in the whole time we've been doing this because I love coffee and I love anything with Kahlua in it. Um, but then when I made the drink, so I'm not a huge milk person and so I didn't put very much milk in and so it stayed yeah, a dark either. color. So I was mm. nervous about that. I'm like, aren't you supposed to be like that nice creamy, like too much cream coffee color and it stayed dark so I was nervous but omg I am literally after we finish recording this episode I'm gonna go make myself another yeah um so the traditional white Russian cocktail um mm-hmm. <laughs> it is usually like much more milk yeah and than it's, what I put in what it, I remind me again white Russian is vodka yeah so it's vodka Kahlua and milk okay so it and- literally you just switch out the rum for vodka and that's it I think I like this one more than a white Russian because I'm more of a rum yeah, person than a vodka person. I, I very much don't like the vodka in a white Russian. You know what I mean? Like, I can yeah. always pick out that taste of the vodka, yep. and I much prefer rum. Yeah. In this, it's really, really smooth. You know what I'm thinking? So, um, listeners, give us some hate about how you feel about Hallmark Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Leah and I are doing a party in a couple weeks where we're just going to watch super cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies. And I'm thinking we might need to make this drink. Oh, yeah. And what if, what if it's like warm? I'll warm up the milk on the stove. Yeah, I'm, I'm digging it. I'm feeling Ooh, it. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the year is 64 AD and Nero is emperor. A few weeks ago, we released episode 14, in which we discussed Roman Emperor Elagabalus. If you recall from that episode, or for those that have not yet listened to it, Elagabalus has long been considered one of the worst emperors to ever rule over Rome. Here's your plug if you haven't listened to episode 14 yet. As emperor, Elagabalus prostituted himself around the palace, sent his staff out to find the man with the largest penis in the land and bring him back so Elagabalus could admire him, literally suffocated his guest when he dropped seven feet of feathers on them during one of his extravagant parties, may have been one of the first cases of someone requesting gender reassignment surgery, and so much more craziness. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't encourage you to go listen to the episode, I don't know what more to say. So. Yeah, you cray. You cray if you don't want to listen to Elagabalus after that. Yes. One thing I do want to add here, though, is, Leah, do you recall how old Elagabalus was when he Fourteen. became Fourteen. <laughs> yes, 14. And we really, really emphasize this in that episode. Because I think it creates so much context for Elagabalus and some of the crazy decisions he made. 
Now, Elagabalus may have been a really extravagant character and one of Rome's worst emperors to ever live, but he was not alone in the category of young, way too young, Roman emperors that made a lot of stupid decisions. Mm, Do tell. Nero also fell into this category. Nero was only 16 when he became emperor in 54 AD. So, I mean, at least he was going through puberty. Well, yeah, and he actually was the youngest person to ever become emperor all the way up until Elagabalus in 218 AD. Hmm. So it was still super, super young. Yeah. The first five years of Nero's reign were considered the Pax Romana, which was five years of peace. Nothing major happened. All seemed well. This may be because Nero's mother, Agrippina, essentially ruled Rome via her son. Get a girl. Yeah. Five years into his reign, though, and many allegations of incest later. Oh, no. (laughs) Nero coordinated for his mother to be killed. And this is where things started getting crazy. The main thing to remember about Nero here, though, because we will talk about him in more depth later, was that following his mother's death, he definitely allowed himself more freedom to do the things that he truly enjoyed. Some of those things were singing and dancing. Nice. Yeah. In particular, he loved playing the lyre. Again, this becomes important later. Okay, are we supposed to know what the lyre is? Is it some form of instrument? Yes, uh, it's so, it's similar to... Um, like, Is it like a little mini harp or something? Yes, thank okay. you. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's during Nero's reign that the Great Fire of Rome began on July 18th, 64 AD. This fire burned for six days straight. Of the 14 Roman districts that Augustus had designated, this fire completely destroyed three of them and severely damaged another seven. So in total, 10 of the 14 districts were heavily affected. You know that common phrase, Rome wasn't built in a day. It's true, Rome was not built in a day, but it was nearly completely destroyed in a matter of six. This is a good life lesson to consider when you think about reputation or trust or character. It can take a lifetime to build, but only seconds to destroy. But that's just some life wisdom. You can tune into my other podcast, Life Lessons with Rachel, for more on that. As for this podcast, let's stick to what I actually do know, and that is history. That was some deep, Rachel. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. I dug it. Now, fires were really common at this time in Rome. Buildings were built in very close proximity to one another. So if one building set on fire, the likelihood of the building next to it also catching on fire was pretty great. What made this particular fire so significant, though, was how long it lasted and how much damage it inflicted. The greatest part about this story is the mystery and the blame game that takes place, as always, in Roman history— In the aftermath of the Great Fire. So whose fault was it? There are two major theories that we're going to dive into. The first major theory is... Christians. Oh yeah, those crazy Christians. (laughs) (laughs) Christians were blamed for the Great Fire of Rome. 
For one, there were many Christians that may have regarded the Great Fire as the last judgment. Wait, weren't the Christians blamed for the other, uh, the burning of Alexandria? Yep. Yeah, they're, they are um, always at fault. <laughs> there, are they just the scapegoat for fires? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like and other things, no? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> According to the timeline of things, Christ would have only died only in a few decades before this incident. So it's not a far stretch for Christians to believe that this fire was part of the final judgment before Christ made his return to earth. And let's be like totally frank at this point in time. Like, can you imagine... There's this group of people that think this guy is their the son of God. Mm-hmm. Like that's a cult in today in today's society. Oh. Just a few decades later, like that's a cult. Oh no, they 100% were. They were a religious sect of the Jewish faith. They were one of those um uh what's the word I want? Kind of more fundamental controversial cults. Yeah. yeah. No, you're no, absolutely totally. right. It's like if, if right. you if you transplanted this the the story of Christianity into like today's society, they would one hundred percent be considered a cult, which is You're, it's just crazy to think about now. You are absolutely correct. Anyways, <laughs> there's um, speculation. So, kind of going back to what I said about how it wouldn't be so much of a far stretch for Christians to believe that the fire was part of the final judgment. Um, before Christ returned to earth, because he had only died a few decades before, there's speculation that perhaps Christians had intentionally ignited this fire to basically make those prophecies come true. Yeah. It goes without question that Nero was not a fan of Christians. Again, this was only decades after Christ's death. So this was still the very beginnings of Christianity, which like we touched on, it was a religious sect of the Jewish faith at that time. I think most people know about martyrdom and the persecution of Christians, particularly in the early days. But if you grew up in the church, like I did, um, you are definitely familiar with these histories. Having grown up in church, my first introduction to Nero as a child was his involvement in the persecution of Christians. And by involvement, I mean that he was 100% completely involved and responsible. (laughs) (laughs) There was mass persecution of Christians in 64 AD that Tacitus tells us did not occur prior to Nero's reign. This persecution included Christians being thrown to wild dogs and lions to be eaten, amongst other torture tactics. Uh, You like how I like did a big gasp there, but it's like... It's Rome, so that actually wasn't that crazy. <laughs> no, no, but it was um, a change in the tides that prior to 64 AD, the Christian sect had not been persecuted in the way that they were under Nero. Right, yeah. Now, perhaps Nero was diverting attention by blaming Christians for the fire because the next and final major theory about who started the fire was none other than any guesses, Leah. Um, I don't know. Nero himself. Oh, well, yeah. 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 Throw the the blame on the Christians when it's actually him who does it. Yeah, correct. So remember how I said earlier that the fact that Nero loved music would become important later? Uh Uh-huh. This is because there is a long-standing rumor that Nero was supposedly on the roof of his palace during the fire playing a fiddle and singing as Rome burned to the ground. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is like, I can totally picture this. 
Well, I'm glad you can picture it because there's actually some artwork that I've uploaded for you to look at. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Yes. I didn't even pay you to say that. Oh, okay. So I would say that it's actually more like a mandolin that he's playing. Yes. A big that, that, mandolin. That's part of why this whole rumor is BS. Why? Because mandolins weren't invented. That wasn't invented? Yes. <gasps> Correct. They were not to be invented, uh, fiddles, were not invented for at least another 800 years. Well. Yeah. It was actually the lyre that Nero was known to play. And then the second reason why this rumor is total BS is because Nero was not even in Rome at the time of the fire. He was actually in Antium, a resort miles away from the city. <laughs> did they have resorts back then? Yes, of course they did. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's like Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to me, adds more suspicion. The fact that the emperor was strategically away from the city when this great fire broke out is mighty suspicious mm, to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm scratching my chin right now. <laughs> Additionally, everyone and their mother knew that Nero had long desired to rebuild Rome with several series of palaces that he would rename Neropolis. Hmm. Right. Very original here. The Senate rejected this proposal, naturally, so it isn't too far-fetched to think that perhaps Nero had set Rome on fire as a means of ensuring he'd have this fresh slate to build upon. The fire basically leveled out the city, making it a perfect place to build the grand temples that Nero desired. Nero didn't do himself any favors by doing exactly that immediately following the Great Fire. In the aftermath of the fire, Nero began construction of Domus Aria, which in Latin means golden house, and it was built right in the heart of the city, which would not have been possible had the Great Fire of Rome never occurred. Nero is quoted with having said this really infamous line upon the construction of his new palace that spanned anywhere from 100 to 300 acres. He stated that now that he had this palace, he could finally begin to live like a human being. Um, It's so outrageous. Yeah. So outrageous. I get excited when someone buys my Starbucks for me. <laughs> do people do that for you? No. Oh. No, that was just the first example that came to mind of something outrageous that will never happen to me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, but for Nero, having this huge palace that historians have determined was somewhere between 100 and 300 acres, that is when he could finally begin living like a human being. Wow. Right. Domus Aria had vineyards, a man-made lake, approximately 300 rooms, indoor pools, and to top it all off, a bronze statue of Nero himself that stood just shy of 100 feet tall. It took 24 elephants to move the statue from one place to another. Which, by the way, like, who kept record? Who kept such detailed record that it was 24 elephants to move the statue when they didn't even know that it it was for sure 100 or 300 acres? Well, okay, so I can explain that, actually. A lot of this um, comes from Tacitus, which is where we get a lot of our information, um 
especially about Nero. Um, Tacitus was a historian in the Roman Empire. And so that's where we get a lot of these little accounts. Why we don't know for sure how many acres it is, is because... As we've seen several times when studying ancient civilizations, it was not uncommon for successors to completely destroy the things that their predecessors had created. We saw this in episode 5 about Egyptian pharaoh Akhenaten, and we saw it in episode 14 about Roman Emperor Elagabalus. Ashamed of the way Nero had flaunted his wealth, his successor basically destroyed Domus Aria within the decades following his reign. So... That's why we don't have um, an exact idea of how big it was. Thankfully, there are still some parts of the palace that still stand barely today that you can check out by Googling Domus Aria. But that's why we don't have an exact idea of how big it was. Okay, two things. Firstly, yes. I set you up for that paragraph perfectly. So you're One welcome. trillion percent, dude. That, <laughs> that was, wasn't even on purpose. That was on purpose. And I was like, yeah, I have the answer. <laughs> Secondly, that reminds me a lot of um, my trip to Munich, the, um, the, old, the old palace there. It's like literally the exact opposite where instead of like the next person destroying mm -hmm. the palace to rebuild on the land or whatever, they just kept going and adding on to it. So like oh. there's this palace that's like so freaking huge and there's like different extensions of it that each king or whatever they were called. I, I actually don't remember what they were called, but each king like added on a like section of the palace because he was like mm, i'm tired of living where my dad lived let me just add on to it yeah that is really really cool though <laughs> yeah it's it's not like that in roman history yeah where they just destroy and deface statues when they want to pretend like that person didn't actually ever reign over rome yeah and i feel like very different vibes when it's like Rome, you're like, you have to murder the previous emperor to become Correct. emperor. But I mean, like, these guys were just inheriting. That's really cool. Yeah. Nero was not well-liked, and years later, upon learning that there was a hit out on him, he ended up taking his own life. I did think, the job for them. <laughs> did the job for them. I think the likelihood that Nero began the fire on his own or was in some way involved in the destruction of Rome is highly probable. I just like, how could you, how could you facilitate that? I, well, like, I, you, what you said is going to line up perfectly with the next <laughs> paragraph too. I like can't even not laugh while saying it. Cause it's, I'm literally going to answer your question with the next paragraph. <laughs> okay this isn't on purpose i swear oh my god it's perfect well like i shared in the beginning fires in rome were super common so it wouldn't have been too suspicious for a fire to break out in addition to that the fires in particular for this this fire in particular it started in the slums where thousands of people lived in apartment buildings made out of wood and they were constructed extremely close to one another so if you set fire to one it could very easily set fire to a whole block a whole neighborhood a whole city so if nero was to facilitate that it wouldn't be that hard hmm but that also goes hand in hand with maybe it's not so far-fetched to assume that this fire may have started as the result of potentially natural or simply accidental causes. Yeah, that's honestly, that's what I'm leaning towards. I feel like 
fire is so, we, especially, I feel like I've learned recently, fire is so, like, it spreads so easy. Even in today's times, you know, when we have all these safeguards for it. Mm -hmm. And because I don't know if you knew this, but did you know that fire actually creates like wind? So it burns. And because it's like letting off a shit ton of oxygen, it creates wind. And then that's how a lot of the time fire jumps from one place to another is because it actually creates the wind that carries it to the next place. Yeah. Science, man. Science. I'm like (laughs) pushing my um, glasses up my nose. Yeah, and then especially the fire that we just had here in California, um, it was one of the worst windstorms we've ever had happened on the same day or right around the same day as um, the most recent fire. So that was horrible. Well, I like that you're, the theory that you're choosing is like the most natural, innocent, accidental one. I like to think that maybe Nero did it. All right. I think, yeah, I think he wanted his Neuropolis and he was going to find a way to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I could see both sides, but. Yeah. Or it was the Christians. That's the other option here. (laughs) (laughs) Those crazy Christians. Yeah. Either way, the world may never know. I would argue that the world will never know. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. We will never know. Correct. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Hashtag History. We will post the pictures from this episode to our Instagram. And then all sources used to put this episode together can be found on our website. If you enjoyed the episode, do us a favor and subscribe to Hashtag History on whatever podcast platform you use. Share it with a friend and give us a rate and review. And be sure, as always, to check us out on Instagram. Not Twitter, not Facebook. Instagram (laughs) is where it's at. We're at hashtag history underscore podcast. Woohoo! Thank you guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I'm going to go make another one of these drugs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>